Ten Speed and Brown Shoe won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Gremlins 2, The New Batch. I always forget that it has the subtitle. Oh, yeah. Because it's the new batch, baby. <laughs> it is. Well, they are. They're new and they're a batch. Oh, God. The music is so great. The movie is so utterly ridiculous. Oh, it's so great. Uh, welcome to a new year and a new month. Yeah. This month is our not-so-terrible twos. Yeah. Sequels that we think are either as good as or sometimes better yeah. than the original. And now uh, we're going to do uh, two of our shows we covered the, the originals, Gremlins, so go yeah. back and listen to our Gremlins show if you wish. Please do. And we're also uh, doing Predator 2 and Lethal Weapon 2. We haven't done the Pred. No, we haven't done, yeah. Not yet, but we have done uh, the first Lethal Weapon. Go back and listen to that, maybe, yeah. too. Yeah. But today is all about Gremlins. <laughs> Such a fascinating story. This movie is, the reason why I love it so much is it's like Looney Tunes and Mad Magazine and had a beautiful baby. Yeah. And this was it. And my Bible growing up was Mad Magazine, man. And yeah, my yeah. my first true influence, who still influences me today, and you know it, is Bugs Bunny. Oh, yeah. Oh, a little yeah. smart, Alec. But, uh, <laughs> but it's just, it's got all, it's just, it's, it has so many great gags in it. Oh, oh. It's a mess in terms of story, but nobody, it's not it made to be that. It, it That's... Technically, that's on purpose. Yes, it's supposed <laughs> to make fun of sequels. It's just so great at poking fun of itself. Yeah. It's just a goopy, gropy, blappy, fun oh, my God. mess. So much grossness. Oh, my God. I just forgot. Yeah. Hey, guys. Oh, God. Hey, no, just, um, no. Yeah, I'm Legos. Just, um, I, I love the music because uh, of the secretions. Uh, okay. I'm just scooping up and some Gremlins wine from a Lego. Oh, God. Uh, uh, employees with the secretions. Goodbye. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks for stopping Ooh. by. All he's right. Been hanging around uh, been, Gen X headquarters the last couple of weeks. He's been hanging out under yeah. the table with his secretions. Yeah. Dipping, dipping, so dipping gross. dots in his secretions. It's kind so of gross. gross. Oh, don't oh. judge me, guys. Okay, well, just get back under there. Stop. Uh, okay, well, take yourself back to 1990. Nice. March 8th, the Nintendo World Championships were held within the Fair Parks Automobile Building, kickstarting an almost year-long gaming competition across 29 American cities. Oh, yeah, and also giving birth to the greatest movie ever, The Wizard, starring <laughs> Fred Savage and the Nintendo Power Glove. I think the greatest movie ever might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I don't know, watch it again. All right, that's true. Well, we'll cover it eventually. March 25th, in New York City, a fire due to arson at an illegal social club called Happy Land kills 87. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was eh. That's horrible. Yeah, that was horrifying. God, I can't even imagine. That's so bad. Yeah. Uh, April 20th. That's what you get for going to an illegal social club. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really? Is that no, what you no, get? No, you don't. You don't. It was just, you know. Everybody's got a victim blame. That's what the 90s yeah. were about, baby. That's true. That is true. April 24th, the Hubble Space Telescope is launched. Yeah, and it saw lots of stuff. It did. It allowed us to see more stuff in better resolution. Yeah, now we got a better one. The yeah. Hubble's just garbage Hubble's now. Garbage. They should just throw it into the ocean. Yeah. I, I mean, they might. I don't know. <laughs> June 15th, Gremlins 2, the new batch premieres. Yeah. God, I love that theme song so much. Like I said... 
very drippy. Because the movie's drippy. <laughs> it is. So the original Gremlins was a financial success, and Warner Brothers asked its director, Joe Dante, to make a sequel. Almost immediately. Of course. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it was a huge hit. It's kind of, it's not really, it's more of a horror comedy that's family-friendly-ish. Yeah. Uh, I think they were surprised it made that it did as well as it did. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, every executive thinks that their movie's going to make money, but I don't think they were expecting it to be as successful as it was. This was this one of our. Is it a Christmas movie? Movies? Yeah, yeah. Because it is a. It was a Christmas. It is a Christmas movie. movie. Although the original was not released during Christmas. Nope. This <laughs> one doesn't take place during Christmas. No, no, no. This is just like a summer whatever. Yeah. Uh, Dante declined because he saw Gremlins as having a proper ending, and thus a sequel would only be meant to be profitable. Yep. He wasn't wrong about that. It did package itself up pretty nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Getting back to Old Man Wong or whatever. What's his Wing. name? Wing. Yeah. Old Man Wing. Yeah. It, it, which, which brings up some interesting questions later on when the movie Gremlins 2 actually starts. Oh, yeah. Uh, moreover, the original film was a taxing experience for Dante, and he wanted to move on. Oh, it must have been exhausting with all... Because it wasn't CG. You forget. There yeah. Tons of puppets all and goop and glop. Real, just real puppets yeah. and real... Yeah. And all those gross gadgets. Lord action head. <laughs> it's your... Bathroom oh, buddy. oh, yeah, with Hoyt Axton. Your bathroom yeah. buddy. Oh, the I old... missed him in this one. I did. Uh, he was supposed to. We'll talk about it later. I but know. Yeah, it, 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 I really, I did, thing. too. He was great in the yeah. first movie. I, I wish he had been made it in. Uh, but Dante, in the meantime, would go on to make Explorers in 1985 about a group of friends who build a working spacecraft and encounter extraterrestrial life. Yeah, two-thirds of a decent movie, and the third act is one of the worst third acts I've ever seen in any movie ever, <laughs> ever. Okay, well... I need to watch it again because I don't remember the third act being the worst movie ever. It was the dumbest thing. They were little teenage aliens and their parents came. It was so stupid. It it was so stupid. It was so stupid. It was dumb. Oh, God. It hurts yeah. my brain even to think about it. Although I did like the little chubby kid who... Jason Presson, who Presson. made a, a, a small cameo. appearance yeah. in this movie. Yeah, the film did mark the debuts of both River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke. Oh, Ethan Hawke was also so insufferable in that movie. Pushed Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix onto us. River Phoenix, great. Yeah, always. Yeah, an earnest young man. He got the short end of the stick on that one. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And then, and the presser kid was really good too. But oh, whiny McWeinstein. <laughs> Good lord! Oh, your Ethan Hawke hate starts but, all over again. Well, this is the origin of it. It yeah. lasted for a while, but I've co- I've come around. I'm yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm a hawkhead. He's, I'm into okay. I'm into Ethan now. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm a Hawkins. In 1987, Dante made the comedy adventure Inner Space, in which Dennis Quaid's character is miniaturized and injected inside a human body. <sighs> Such a good movie, starring Martin Short and Megan Ryan, Meg Ryan as well. Yeah, Megan Ryan. Uh, it might and be to Megan. her friends. I don't Ryan, know. Yeah. Megan. Um, uh, but uh, I love Interspace. Interspace was one of those movies that came along when I was right around 10 years old and was on TV all the time. Oh, it was it was so good, and it just cemented Martin Short Ugh. as one of the greatest physical so comedians. Brilliant. We will be covering Interspace soon. Damn right we will. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about soon, but yeah. But we will, yeah. In 1989, Dante directed Tom Hanks in The Burbs, a black comedy in which something is afoot in the neighborhood. Yeah, that movie was... Fun, but off. And it had Rick Dukeman in it. I loved that movie. Oh, yeah. I I realize it's not a perfect movie. It's not a great movie. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. I Okay, you're right. Uh, I was mixing that up with uh, Money Pit, 
which oh. I often do with Shelley Long. Money and Pit. I actually Phoebe and I watched that during the lockdown, mm-hmm. and it's a better movie than I remember. Okay, I'll, but, I'll give it another go. But it's still not the Burbs. I hated yeah. that movie when it came out. The Money Pit. It just made me hate both of those people. They were both so hateful and spiteful the whole time. But the Burbs was brilliant. Absolutely, yeah, it was. Brilliant. And Rick Dukeman. And Rick Dukeman and uh, Henry Gibson were both yep. in it. Yeah, exactly. Joe Dante likes to work with the same people a lot. He does, but then he gives them super small, crappy parts in the next movie. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, you want a cameo? Well, hey. They may uh, have gotten a day rate. They may have gotten I know, but it's know. like, I'm Rick Dukeman, man. I'm not making a ton of money. Could you give me an extra two days? <laughs> Just, yeah. Have me play anything that's more yeah, than one get, day of work? Get a bite out of the nose and that's it? <laughs> Can I at least take some of the craft service home with me? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure, Rick. Whatever. Whatever, Dukeman. Yeah. Uh, God, I love Rick Dukeman. I, we need to talk. I mean, they have to figure out what happened to him because I, he's, I don't see him in stuff anymore. I don't know. Well, there's a lot of... Actors that just kind of disappear, man. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, been, what, 30 years yeah. since Gremlins almost? Yeah, 30 plus. 30 plus, yeah. 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 So Dukeman's probably in his 70s now. Yeah. Yeah. I well, well, I'll figure it out, and we'll talk about it. We sometime. have to do, and I, a little speed bump, but we need to do a Where Are They Now yeah. episodes from some of our favorite character actors and stuff. That's true. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, work on Gremlins 2, the new batch, continued without Joe Dante as the studio approached various directors and writers. Storylines considered including sending the Gremlins to cities like Las Vegas or the planet Mars. Okay. Okay. That would have been funny. I mean, if it was like a Mars but what colony they... landing, it would, it would, it would have I... to be that there was, you know, a trip to Mars and they're on Mars and right. they're colonizing Mars and somehow the Gremlins get on Mars. Oh, no, Billy yes, becomes yes. an astronaut. Hear me out. <laughs> Billy becomes an astronaut, and somehow he smuggles uh, Gizmo in his space backpack, yeah. and, uh, you know... They end up on Mars. Uh, Lieutenant Rickerts uh, spills there, some water on him. And the thing is, there would have to be a very large civilization or settlement mm-hmm. on Mars, because otherwise, what are they terrorizing? Yeah, I mean, there would have know? had to be a large settlement on Mars. It seems like a really, really terrible idea. Well... You got a long road to walk before you get to what's going on on that one. It's like really, really long voiceover yeah. monologue at the beginning. In 1995, the first manned spaceship to Mars. <laughs> After these ideas fell through, surprisingly, the studio returned to Dante in 1989, who agreed to make the sequel after receiving the rare promise of having complete creative control over the movie. Oh, they're going to regret that. Oh my but God, we won't. Did they ever? Oh, baby. He also received a budget triple that of the original film, which is also insane. That is insane. I just have to point out, go on YouTube, and there is an amazing Key and Peele sketch called uh, Pitching Gremlins 2. Oh, really? And (laughs) so Key is just like the, you know, he's the regular, you know, executive, and they're Mm -hmm. all like, okay, we're going to do Gremlins 2. Let's talk about blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, creepy (laughs) Key, because he's all right, guys. (laughs) Nothing's a bad idea. Whatever you want. You can have an insert. Oh, how about an electric one? Whatever. He's like, you got it. And it's just, it's it's like so perfect because it's exactly how it probably happened. Oh, I imagine. I imagine. It's one of their best. Uh, Dante later acknowledged that by this point, too much time had passed between the films, thus possibly reducing public interest in a Gremlin sequel. It's so quaint back then, because now we we wait oh, decades matter. between sequels. And well, Top Gun Maverick was 38 years later. Avatar 2 was what, 10 years ago? Uh, yeah, that was in 2010, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So 12 years so 12 ago. years yeah. between sequels. Yeah, well, it's on its way to making $2 billion. Lord, it's like, that, I, okay, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> It is so crazy to me. Like, Avatar was great and everything, but nobody remembers that movie. No. Nobody ever talked about it in the last 10 years. People aren't buying it and, and no. obsessing over it and all that. It was just kind of like this no. forgotten blockbuster. Yeah. And, that, and then, woo, 12 years later, 
Magic again? What is with this? It's just like we all got men in black. It's James Cameron. I, I think he, he, he packed with the devil or something. He's got magic or something. I don't. I don't, know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, look, Avatar was. I saw it in the IMAX 3T. The, mm. 3T. 3T? No, I saw it in 3T. I touched you 3T. Yeah, it was a very different kind of <laughs> unpleasant experience. No, uh, and I it, it was it was amazing. But I, that's I think the only time I ever saw it. Yeah. And then uh, I've seen it once since then on TV. I watched it with my nephews. Oh, did it uh, hold up? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not. I literally watched it maybe four years ago, and I still don't really remember any I'm of here. it. I think I'll watch it again before. And, and honestly, I do, you know, once all the everything dies down, I'll probably want to go see that in the theater just because it's. Yeah. But it's what? Three plus hours? Three hours and 12 minutes. The guy is. Look, I'll get off it now, but <laughs> James Cameron makes no sense. I know. He makes no sense. I'm going to go see it in 3D in the theater uh, at some point, probably the next couple weeks. But uh, I. I'm I'm not really excited about it. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, all I don't right. think anybody was, but we we're all like, all right. I guess we got to see it. We have to go see. It. It's okay. actually on track right now to make more money than Avatar. It will, and everybody was like, oh, it's going to be a bomb. It's going to yeah, be a bomb I because know. it didn't, you know, <laughs> because it's 18 hours long. You can only have two screenings per day, so you know it's going to take a little while to make that yeah. money back, and it's doing it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Uh, with more control over the film, Dante engineered a project that he later referred to as... One of the more unconventional studio pictures ever. Which is an understatement. Oh, yeah. It was really the first to kind of self-satirize. Yeah. Uh, that I can remember. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that it literally acknowledges that the movie Gremlins exists <laughs> inside its world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's... it's I, I, you know, I mean, there are there movies that poke fun at some, themselves or, or break the fourth wall before yeah. then, but not to this extent, I don't think. I, I don't think so. One that was a movie that was literally made to make fun of the first movie. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, yeah. It was, I could just imagine Joe Dante sitting down going, you really want this? You really, really want this? All right, guys. Let's F this up. <laughs> Dante included, no bad ideas. Dante included some material that he believed Warner Brothers would not have allowed had they not wanted a sequel to Gremlins. <laughs> Just smart on his part. Of course. Uh, it allowed to break a number of rules in filmmaking. He also later claimed it was the film into which he had put the most of his personal influence. Well, Dante was a huge Chuck Jones and yeah. Looney Tunes fan. Yeah. And that is just, that stink is stanking all over this movie in the most... Yeah. You know, in the greatest way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, so Dante imagines... It literally bookends with Looney Tunes characters. Yes. I, I, yes. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about Chuck Jones. Uh, but yeah, so he did imagine it is a satire of gremlins and sequels in general. Uh, so they hired Charlie Haas to write the script as Chris Columbus, the writer for Gremlins, was unavailable due to filming Home Alone. Uh, which actually was maybe maybe for the best. Uh, I, yeah, I, yes. I don't think Chris, Chris Columbus wouldn't... He's too schmaltzy. I don't think he would have gotten on screen what Dante wanted. Uh, we wouldn't have gotten that awesome Phoebe Cates uh, Lincoln's birthday. Oh, my God. It was so good. <laughs> so good. Uh, Haas began his writing career with the film Over the Edge in 1979. It was co-written with Tim Hunter and starred Matt Dillon. Oh, have you seen that? No. Oh, it's so good. It's this. Is it? If it's what I'm thinking Are you, of. You sound like you're being sarcastic. No, no, no. Okay, it is really good. No, no, okay. no. If it's what I'm remembering, I believe it's. Yeah, this is what it is. So Matt Dillon and all these kind of troubled kids or whatever, the the, the school and the parents are trying yes. to put them in some yes. sort of like thing. And then they trap all the parents in the school yes. and they that take is, over yes. the town. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll have to give it a watch. I, I had I'd never heard of it. So oh, it was I, so much yeah. fun. 
Awesome. Okay. Uh, Haas would later work on Martians Go Home in 1990, starring Randy Quaid. Poor Randy Quaid. Yeah. Well, poor, poor Charlie Haas. I don't think he really did anything after that. <laughs> <laughs> At least he didn't go insane. That's true. Oh, that we know of. <clears throat> true. Uh, Haas introduced the concept of moving the Gremlins to New York City and a corporate head, uh, a.k.a. Daniel Clamp, as Billy's boss. I wonder who they were making fun of with Clamp. When the Warner Brothers executives grew concerned about the expense of portraying the Gremlins attacking an entire city, Haas came up with the idea of confining the action within Clamp's smart building. So much smarter. So much smarter to make it self-contained. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it immediately creates immediacy that they have to stop them otherwise right. they will take over the city exactly and if they're already in the city and whatever then it's yeah. just a containment well, problem you know, it's just yeah. like an extermination just, problem just might as well nuke new york <laughs> which would probably be the <laughs> the end that's what chris columbus would have written i'm just saying yeah, they would have all come together and given the pigeon lady a bunch of clothes and money and then everybody would have cried and the music would have <laughs> welled up and uh, uh, Haas also included a great deal of material in his screenplay that proved too elaborate to produce, including having a cow-hamster hybrid running on a treadmill in the laboratory. Yeah, they settled for the cow that could talk, which is great. It was it, funny. It's so, yeah. There's so many subtle little jokes with the cow being like, I like making milk. Yeah. I like, you know, it's just, you know, <laughs> and it, if you don't pay attention, you miss all these things. It's just so many gags on top of gags on top it's, of gags. Yeah, it just doesn't stop. In keeping with Dante's desires to satirize the original film, the sequel has some meta-references and self-referential humor. These include a cameo appearance by film critic Leonard Maltin, <laughs> which is brilliant and good for him for being, being willing to do it. Oh, he, he yeah. hated the first oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Hated it. Leonard Maltin was always game. Leonard Maltin was always one of those critics that I liked. Because even if he didn't like a movie, he wasn't really mean about it. No, and he, it always seemed like he was like, it's kind of like, this like is it. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, you should go see it. Yeah. But, like, I don't think it's very good. Yeah, yeah. He, he was fair about that stuff. He wasn't all bitchy like Siskel and Siskel Ebert. And Ebert. <laughs> but, Although, uh, yeah. More Siskel. I'm a bigger fan of Ebert. But. Same. Well, he lasted longer. But uh, <laughs> yes, that's why I like people that live longer. So I, I hate like River. To I hate River Phoenix and Ooh. love Ethan Hawke. Wow, dark yeah. times. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing part of the reason he did it was because Leonard Maltin, much like a lot of politicians we have now, just love the limelight and want to be on screen whenever they can. But it's also, you know. That's that's one thing, but also poking fun at yourself, yeah, and, yeah, and getting murdered because you didn't like the movie. Well, he understood the sequel, yes. like he understood that it was making fun of the first movie. I wonder how he reviewed it. That's a good question. I didn't look, look that up. That I should have. Yeah. should look that up. I loved it. It was pretty bad, except for one part with a really <laughs> great guy playing a film reviewer. He was excellent. Deserves an Oscar. They should have expanded his part. <laughs> that's why I hate it. Uh, so he actually holds up a copy of the original Gremlins home video and denounces it just actually ha- as he actually had. However, his rant is cut short when Gremlins pounce on him and choke him to death with a uh, um, with a film strip. Yes, because why not? I know. I'll... I also love the fact that he was film police and movie police, <laughs> and he blows the whistle. Dude, welcome to film police. He's uh, a little bad, yeah. little badge. Oh, cute. so the, the, it's the touches, man. The touches of yeah. this movie it, it makes it brilliant. I mean, okay, maybe brilliant is a stretch, but I, so much fun. I don't. I think brilliant. I don't know if that means it's time. good. <laughs> oh, it. The thing is, it's like it didn't concern itself with a lot of. Things like there's like it, when we first started watching because we rewatched it mm-hmm. when we first started watching it we were like well he doesn't even notice the lipstick on his face or he doesn't why is he saying this about that and this his tie is different on this part and this yeah, is yeah. It, oh uh, the matter. movie's black and white on this shot and it's in color in this shot yeah. 
And then, like, you're like, F it. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Matter. Because you just matter. go along for the ride. Yeah. The ride is the ride, man. And it doesn't stop. This, and the, I think the the best thing about it is that Joe Dante, when they agreed to have him come on and do this, he was like, I'm going to make the movie I want to see. Oh, yeah. And he didn't care if the audience liked it or not. Mm. He, I mean, people will because obviously people are like Joe Dante. They will like the same stuff he does. But he was like, I'm making this movie for me. Right. And he got to rail against big corporate jerks yeah. like Donald Trump. And yeah. he got to, you know, go against the whole yuppie system and, you know, so and, and – News media and sequels and, and corporate. I mean, everything <laughs> he got to poke fun at, and it was all really good and really funny, and it still holds up today. It does. It does. Additionally, when Billy is trying to explain the rules regarding the Mogwai to staff in the building, the staff finds him quite absurd and derisively interrogates Billy on their precise meaning. <laughs> so funny. Okay, okay, okay. All right. What are these crosses time zones? Because it's always midnight <laughs> He starts somewhere. eating at yeah. 11 o'clock. And well, he gets a caro seed stuck in his yeah. teeth. And then... And then the great reveal of the the gremlin just bursting, bursting through the from control the board. Console. Yeah. <laughs> this scene actually originates from the fact that the filmmakers themselves saw the rules as irrational, and some questions in the scene were based upon those raised by fans of the original film. <laughs> sure, because it's all stupid. But what's really funny is, yeah, they they totally you know make fun of it and everything. But what I love about it is it's it, they don't spend too much time being like, Billy, I don't believe you. Oh, no, no. I don't believe this. It still moves. And yeah. And still it's like, okay. But the brilliant part about it is that Joe Dante's commentary on it is that it doesn't matter because the gremlins are attacking you. Right. <laughs> it doesn't right. matter. Right. Yeah. Uh, at one point in the film, Dante attempted to involve his audience in the story by making it seem as if the Gremlins had taken control of the theater where Gremlins 2 The New Batch was showing. So much fun when that was in the theater, when that happened. Yeah. I, this movie very much, you mentioned this when we were, we were watching the movie. It feels very much like a movie that you needed to see in the theater. Oh, well, the original yeah. Gremlins is too. It's just, it's a movie theater movie that you get so much more out of it experiencing it with an audience yes. especially an yes. audience that's game and loves it right and right. you know i saw it in baston yeah and uh oof, they loved it and it was a packed theater and we had the best time yeah actually the the before we did gremlins the last time i saw gremlins was in the theater with our, our friend greg uh watched it during a horror con thing yeah but sat in the front row watching gremlins it was fantastic great picture you guys the gremlins all no, around yeah, you that's right that's right uh, put that on our socials. I will, I will. The film strip appears to be broken by the gremlins, who then engage in shadow puppetry over a white screen before replacing the reel with the vintage nudie film Volleyball Holiday. That's so funny. Uh, Hulk Hogan then makes a cameo appearance as an audience member and intimidates the gremlins into running the rest of Gremlins 2, the new batch. All right, you gremsters, you think you could take on the Hulkster? <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> it's so dumb, but he's, he it was perfect. Sorry, folks. Let's get back to the movie. <laughs> this joke was his shirt off. Oh, uh, so I love it. Yeah, he had to. You know how I really want to know how many shirts the Hulk Hogan actually gone through because he rips them every time he talks. It's a lot of shirts. It's a lot of shirts. I'd just like to meet the guy that has to prep all the shirts because you know he has to prep them. Cause, yeah, because they're going to cut the sleeves off. Right, and they have to like give him a little place to rip so right. he can you know he can pull it off, make yeah. it fast. It's all smoke and mirrors, baby. It is. It is. And steroids. <laughs> the joke was inspired by a similar stunt in William Castle's film The Tingler in 1959. The studio actually feared that, feared that people might leave the theater if they thought the film had broken because people apparently had attention spans of five seconds. Hey, guys. Oh, God. Hi. Yes, Bob. Hi. Hey, it's Bob. Executive. No, I worked on Gremlins 2. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, you know, and I said, you know, they're going to leave the theater. They're just going to. They're going to just leave. They're just going to leave. Yeah, because the film's broken. I left the theater. <laughs> I didn't. I thought it was broken. You thought it was done. The movie yeah. was just. Done. I left. I left my kids there three days. <laughs> you know, it's a long weekend. All right. Anyway. All right. I hate that movie. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. God, Bob. Yeah. Uh, Dante therefore secured the inclusion of the sequence by assembling some people for a preview of the film. When the scene was shown, the real-life audience found it enjoyable and enjoyed it in the theater. It stayed in the theater. And he went up to the executives and went, See? <laughs> I'm right. I'm always <laughs> right. Uh, Dante later described the scene as one of the most widely enjoyed jokes in Gremlins 2. It is. It's funny. It's really funny. When the and film, it's done so well. That's why. I, well, yeah, it was it was really great. And not only that, but the shadow puppetry oh, is God, hilarious. So funny, the, the Abraham, which it ties in the Abraham Lincoln shadow puppet. A lot it's of weird really Lincoln references. In yeah, this. it's conspiracy theory. Joe Dante. He's maybe Joe Dante assassinated Lincoln. Maybe Joe Dante is Q. Okay. No. No? <laughs> no. Uh, when the film made its debut on home video, the filmmakers replaced the scene to make it seem as if the viewer's VCR had been broken by the gremlins. Nice. In this version, the gremlins do their shadow puppetry over white noise before changing the VCR's channels. Their antics stop at a broadcast of Chisholm, where John Wayne forces the gremlins to, into continuing the film, although voice impersonation was needed since Wayne had been dead since 1979. I wish that they still showed this, because yeah. it's not... On all the DVDs and laser discs and all that stuff, it's not there anymore. That's too bad. Yeah, they should do a new one for streaming. They should. Where it makes that it would look be like great. It, like the streaming, <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd like a signal, like a signal loss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check your internet connection. Uh, notably, a clip from Falling Hair, a film released in 1943 featuring Bugs Bunny and a gremlin, appears in this version. Also features a clip from the opening titles of the KTHV local newscast at the time in Little Rock, Arkansas. KTHV Little Rock. Arkansas. I really wish that I had. I'm sure it's probably on YouTube somewhere. Sure. I'm, sure I'm going to look for that today. Yeah. The original version of the film was also longer, but executive producer Steven Spielberg claimed that there were too many gremlins and several scenes were cut as a result. Well, the one thing I will kind of have to say watching this again is Gizmo's kind of an afterthought. Yeah. You know, once the not, mayhem yeah. happens, he just disappears and is an object of torture and then oh. has the great, you know, Gag. His, his hero, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, he's not, it's not an adventure with, you know, Billy and Gizmo. It's more of an adventure of Billy and his I, girlfriend, and Gizmo's just kind of yeah. there. Like, and here's the thing, too. Okay, I just got to say this, right? <laughs> so at the beginning of the movie, the movie, you got Chump or Champ, Clump, Clamp, 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 Chump, Trump, Drump, Clamp. Come, you know, they bring the TV in and they're trying to buy the. The uh, property from Wing. Wing, yeah. And, uh, you know, so Billy never went to visit Gizmo after that? Yeah. And and Billy works for the company that destroyed Wing's shop, and he would have known well, that Wing's shop... Billy was literally drawing the plans, <laughs> the, the artist rendition of the new Chinatown area. Billy's a little bit of a jerk. Yeah, he was too focused on his job. Ah, well, yeah. I just, the I beginnings mean, Look of, what happened with Phoebe Cates. Like, he almost lost her yeah, because he, yeah. he got... Well, he's just a dope. That's yeah, the thing. He's he just is. a dope. I mean, a lovable dope. But, I mean, poor Gizmo, from the beginning of the yeah. movie, it's sad. He loses his daddy, and he loses his home, and he, he's out on the streets, and he gets picked up by those creepy T2 twins. <laughs> 
That's true. Set in a genetics lab? I mean, yeah. it's just sad, but sad city. But he got to meet Christopher Lee, so I mean. Oh, God. Oh, I can't wait. To, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to him, yeah. So one deleted scene portrayed three of the main gremlins, Daffy, Lenny, and George, sneaking into television host Grandpa Fred's studio and helping him host acting on the premise that Grandpa Fred's show was intended to be scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Daffy, Lenny, and George. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they had some good laughs. Uh, it would have been so much fun to do the Gremlins voices. Oh, yeah. Several actors from the original film returned to make Gremlins 2 the new batch, including Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, and Dick Miller. Oh, Dick Miller. He was so good in this. He had, his comeuppance is so good. Or not his comeuppance. Him uh, getting his comeuppance. Yeah. Well, him, that, no, it's, him that's getting his revenge. or Getting him, his revenge, yeah. You know, it, him his, being vin- vindicated. Vindicated. That's basically. what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Uh, it wasn't crazy. <laughs> yeah, his poor suffering wife. What a she's so sweet. She's so sweet in this one too. Yeah. And I just remember they really softened him for the sequel because in oh, the first yeah. one he was a he bit was, of a jerk. Oh. Well, he's an alcoholic. I'm sure he probably stopped drinking. Seemed like it. He probably had to because they thought, well, it's not the drinking. See, <laughs> he turned into a nicer. You know, the Gremlins' experiences for old Dick Miller kind of made him a better person. Silver lining on that very dark cloud. So the whole thing was just to make <laughs> Dick Miller a better person. <laughs> Miller reprised his role as Billy's neighbor, Mr. Futterman, who the Gremlins severely injured, both physically and mentally, in the first film, and an expanded role in this movie. Mr. Futterman. Mr. Mr. Futterman. In the second, he plays a part in wiping out the creatures by dousing one in cement and using the building's fire hose against the others. The cement gargoyle gag is hilarious. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's nothing I, new. It's a total cartoon gag. It's course, a total Looney Tunes gag. But it's it's... The thing that I love <laughs> was it was so much fun to see... Looney Tunes gags come to life. Yeah. In yeah. in the real world. My real world. my favorite thing about that scene is that they would they they shot the puppet from below so you just see his legs and then wings flapping. And the, apparently they just didn't tell the extras in the background <laughs> to react to it at all. Mm-hmm. So they're just walking by like they're like Dick Miller's bumping into them and they're kind of like, why don't you get out of my way? Just ignoring the nine foot bat gremlin flapping around. I think that was done on purpose because it's New York and people don't give an F about what's going on around them. Well, and it's, I'm sure it's to make Dick Futterman, or Dick Futterman, to make Mr. Futterman <laughs> think that he's crazy. I'm crazy. <laughs> Yeah, but it was great. It was just the, 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 it, when you watch it again, watch for the construction worker. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, character actress Jackie Joseph returned to play Mr. Futterman's wife. Uh, and there were also brief appearances in the movie theater sequence from Belinda Blasky as a complaining mother and Kenneth Toby as the projectionist. Nice. Key Luke also returned to play Mr. Wing, Gizmo's original owner. When Luke heard his character would die in Gremlins 2, the new batch, he quipped, Remember when you make Gremlins 3? I'm a flashback. Yeah. He knew how to do things. <laughs> he knew how to secure his job. Yeah. Hoyt Axton was meant to return as Billy's father, the inventor. He would have appeared at the end of the film having designed special clothing for Gizmo that would, would ensure Gizmo would never come into contact with water again. Hey, Gizmo, made you a water buddy. You just put it on him. <laughs> Keep you from getting wet. It's called the water, buddy. Spot on. At the last moment, the filmmakers decide not to shoot the scene to reduce time. Oh, yeah, that's too bad. Super bad. I because I wanted. I loved Hoyt Axton in the first movie. He was so good. That that little bathroom buddy. Bathroom (laughs) buddy. Yes. Toothpaste everywhere. I want one. Although I will say, and I mentioned this when we were watching it, it's fascinating to me that the first movie had all these gadgets. 
And the second movie was that on like a much larger scale with the giant smart building. Right. And all the stuff that still didn't really work. Well, that's why Billy went to work for Clamp because he was a father figure. He reminded him of his dad, yeah. but a successful version of his dad. Yeah. It's a very complicated psychological tapestry. <laughs> It is. It is. New performers included Robert Picardo, who had previously worked with Dante and producer Michael Fennell in films such as The Howling and Inner Space. He plays Forster, one of Billy's crueler bosses. Picardo would later be well-known in the Star Trek and Stargate franchises. Yeah, he was a robot. Or not a robot. He, he was, was a, a virtual medical yeah, assistant or he something. He was a holographic Hologram. medical assistant. Yeah. And his name was like Hank, holographic something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He most recently can be seen in Confess Fletch, the newest Fletch movie. Oh, yeah. And he also plays a lot of uh, scientists. He does. And he had a nice head of hair that he <laughs> in this quickly movie, lost he did. after yes. this. I'm yes. thinking wig. Uh, he's also still married to the gremlin that he got married to at the end of the movie. Yeah. They, uh, they had nine children. And they are so ugly. They're not attractive. Nope. <laughs> Robert Prosky played Grandpa Fred, a television host, and his character was based upon Al Lewis's character, Grandpa Munster. Yeah, he looked exactly like him. Literally like he exactly played like him. him. He should have played him in the movie version of the Munsters. Yeah. You know. The new one? Well, he was, I think he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> yes. Oh. Prosky made his first credit appearance in Thief in 1981, starring James Caan at the that? age of 51. Oh, So okay. he wasn't 51 in this movie. Thank he the Lord. He was 60. Yeah, okay. Um, have you seen Thief? I... Don't think so. Jim Belushi, really good. Jim James Caan, yeah. James Caan, such a great movie. Okay. Uh, it's Michael Mann. One oh, of his first really? Movies. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those that's been on my list for a long time. We'll but do I, it. We'll do. Yeah. We'll do the Michael Mann. Month. A Michael Mann month. Yeah. Okay. He also made memorable appearances in Christine in 1983. Yeah, he was the guy that owned the shop. The shop. Yeah. yeah. Get your car out of here. <laughs> he was always chewing on his cigar when he was super gross and he got smashed in the. Oh, that's right. He did. He did. Smashing me. Smashing me, Christine. He made an appearance in The Natural in 1984. Come on. Hit that ball into the lights. Can we have broadcast news in 1987? Put the news on, buddy. <laughs> the Great Outdoors in 1988. And there's a bear with a bear butt. Yeah. And loose cannons in 1990. You're crazy. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was actually a line from the movie. Yeah. That was my favorite line. Yeah. In addition to appearing in films, he appeared in many television shows as a regular on Hill Street Blues, Danny, and Veronica's Closet. Get out of your closet, Veronica. He was considered for the role of Martin Crane in Frasier. He would have been great. And later made a guest appearance in the series as a reclusive writer who befriended the character. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I I really, really like um, John Mahoney. Like, of he's course. so brilliant in that oh, yeah. part. Prosky would have been great, but I love John Mahoney. Yeah, but I think Prosky... John Mahoney had a sense of class yeah. that makes sense yeah. for yeah. the character and everything, but I think Prosky could have been even more of a foil. It would yeah. have been a different yeah. kind of thing, but I, not better or worse, right. but I right. think kind of a lateral move. He would have been, yeah. been great. Yeah, he It would have been, been different, but in, in a good way. He was also offered the role of Coach Ernie Pantuso on Cheers, but turned it down. Eh, that, I think, went no, to the right was, guy. Yes. That, no, I don't... I, Nobody else could have played that role. No. Nobody. No. He was so friggin' wonderful at that great. role. He was great. He later portrayed Rebecca Howe's father on the same show and later played Kirstie Alley's father in Veronica's Closet. Yeah, I got confused. I thought she was my daughter. <laughs> uh, Prosky passed from heart complications in 2008. No. Yeah. He was great, though. Everything he's in, he's, it makes it better. He's just one of those really great character actors. And 
this part really shows that because yeah. he he's the mo- he's he's the character I think with the most depth in the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Who goes through a really actual journey? Yeah, you know, in it's this true. thing. Yeah. You know, a depressed guy who never wanted to do what he's doing and stuck yeah. in this thing keeps getting push, pushed. You know, three thirty in the morning, yeah, getting pushed back and pushed back, and kind of wear that gross uh, Dracula outfit. Constantly, never takes it off. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, and he and Getty want to Nobby. Change the world. Oh, man. John Glover played Clamp, a character based upon Donald Trump and Ted Turner. Yeah. Uh, and brought to the role an enthusiastic innocence that overrode the fact that his character had been written as a villain, which Dante thought lightened the film in general. Well, it was great because he's he's just clueless. He's yes. just a rich, yes. clueless person who doesn't really understand what it's like right. to not be... A completely rich yes, mega Yes, he is person. so in his own bubble. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got Ted Turner's enthusiasm yeah. and Donald Trump's taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it's better than Trump's taste because not everything's gold. No, 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 no. He's great. He's so fantastic oh, in this movie. Oh, he's fantastic in everything. Yeah. And he he really imbued that character with such a fun sense of wonder. Yeah. And and it was so surprising the way that he would react to things, <laughs> especially like Bill. Like, you know, he never got angry. No. If it, you look at it, he never no. gets mad. The second he decided he liked Bill, yeah. that was it. Yeah. It was just like, hey, Bill, how's it going? To the chagrin <laughs> of all the other employees. <laughs> and it's just, he's just like, Bill, Bill, come here. Yeah, you you got to take care of this. And, yeah. and, and, and just like listens to him. Here's what you got to do. Okay, whatever you say, Bill. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then we he can gets do out it. there. He's like, oh, save the city. It's like that moment in Ghostbusters. Where he's like, Lenny, yeah, Bobby, <laughs> yeah. you can save the city. <laughs> Shut up for a minute. I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, Glover had just come off Scrooged with Bill Murray, which is a fantastic movie. And again, a character very similar, but. So conniving, yeah. So wonderfully conniving Sh- shows his range, right? Because it's it you you could say, oh, same guy. It's not the same it's guy not at, all. At, all. at all, at all. Yeah. And he he played those type of characters so much more nuanced than anybody else. Yeah. Like, giving him a villain or a foil character, you knew you were going to get something that you weren't going to get from any other actor. Yeah, yeah. He would later play Lex Luthor's father for ten seasons on the WB show Smallville. Oh my god, he was so good. he was so great in that. Uh, that that is what hooked me on that show. Yeah, is that the, I remember the pilot at the very end they introduced and I was like, "What are they going to do? Lex Luthor can't be in this." And it, his dad was so much better. Oh, he's so good. But I also really like Michael Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum, yeah, right. yeah. He was really good as Lex Luthor. He's That's one of my true. favorite yeah. modern day Lex Luthers. Yeah, you know, he I was think great. Uh, yeah, the only one I really like more it was uh, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Oh yeah, my he Lex was great Luthor. too. Oh yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, Rosenbaum was great. Uh, he has a good podcast now. Yeah, he, he does. talks to a bunch of people. He's a good. He's a nice dude. He's a nice guy. Uh, he continues to act and most recently appearing in Shazam. Shazam. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> ah, Shazam. I'm assuming he's going to be in the new Shazam that's coming out. There's a sequel coming out. Yeah. Uh, well, in the new Shazam, it's different. Um, they're still going to have Billy as Shazam, but there's also they're also bringing in a veteran. Named Gormer Pyle, who imbues <laughs> okay. uh, himself with some powers. His power, Gomer Pyle, right. Shazam, is his beautiful singing voice. <laughs> when he starts <laughs> singing very deeply. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, uh, Black it Adam. Get gone. Flies away, baby. He just implodes. Oh, yeah. He was so good that The Rock quit. How <laughs> <So> good he was. <laughs> right in the middle of the movie. He's, He's just like, like I'm, can't I'm do this. out. Can't do this. 
Well, look forward to that. Shazam! <laughs> Christopher Lee, who previously worked with Spielberg in 1941, played the mad scientist Dr. Catheter. Uh, Probably one of my absolute favorite performances of his because yeah. he's having so much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And his subtle nods to Dracula. And, yeah. You know, it's the look on his face when they play the Dracula music and the thing turns into the bat. He's, yeah. he's like, oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, you it's can so see. so great. It. He's just so. I love Christopher Lee. I love these actors of gravitas, you know, these mm. British. Yeah, he was he, he was never like the Shakespeare guy. He was a Hammer Films guy, but yeah. he was the Hammer Films guy and he brought gravitas and talent to that. He's a great actor. And his version of Dracula is amazing. But just to see these guys poke fun and just game. Yeah. Yeah. Be so game for these ridiculous parts. I loved it. It's my. I think it might be my favorite Christopher Lee performance. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, Lee imagined his role as lighthearted, but Dante encouraged him portray, to portray the scientist as evil to better match the atmosphere of the laboratory set. But he wasn't really evil. No. He was just focused. And he didn't... And by the end, he was like... I never want to hurt anything ever again. Yeah. I, I, this is all wrong. I mean, he basically had his Scrooge moment. He did. Did he die? No. No. Okay, good. I don't... Technically, I don't think anybody died in this movie. Oh, well, some people did. Some people got chomped I, and... Yeah, but I don't... They never actually showed that. So, no, I mean, no. it's... I, I, you know, anyway. Uh, Lee was revered on the set for his experience. In a deleted scene, Dr. Catheter examines a bat injected with genetic sunblock. He then says to his colleague... I'm told they sometimes feed on blood. A reference to Lee's performances as Count Dracula in the Hammer horror films. Oh, so good. Christopher Lee's fascinating. I absolutely uh, adore him. Count Dooku. Yeah. Well, in, in, in Lord of the Rings, the fact that he was close personal friends with J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, he was my friend. Fascinating life. Could, could you imagine being friends with J.R.R. Tolkien and then a hundred years later <laughs> starring as Sauron yeah. in the, in the film? It is crazy. crazy. It's like... I knew Jesus from the Bible, and then <laughs> and then I played him 15,000 years later. Uh, later, as the Bat Gremlin is transforming, Dr. Catheter experiences the deja vu, as Jim was saying. The audience hears the Dracula music come up. Uh, the Doctor's first name, Cushing, is a reference to Lee's frequent Hammer co-star and best friend, Peter Cushing. Yes, yeah, another Star Wars alum. Target Alderaan. <laughs> He was so great. Getty Watanabe plays a Japanese tourist. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He may be familiar from 16 Candles, his long duck dong. Mm -hmm. Gung-Ho in 1986, starring Michael Keaton. And UHF in 1989, starring Weird Al. I love Getty Watanabe. He is hilarious. And, you know, yes, some of his roles are, you know, look, 16 Candles, probably not, you know, our proudest moment in yeah. portraying... Uh, minorities but he always imbued these characters even you know even if they were supposed to be like this guy he's a camera yeah. and he's chickity 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 you know horrible well, but, you yeah. know i think but, that's the brilliance of this is that it it was making fun of that right because it's literally he takes like a thousand pictures the second he gets on screen yeah. and it's like nobody's gonna you know but he also doesn't have the broken english accent and he doesn't yeah. you know he's just a, he even says I am a camera. It's yeah. just such a great line. You know, he's just... But he is so good in this movie. He is such a great physical comedian. Yeah. And he... <laughs> he and Prosky 
are so great together yeah. when they become, you know, the news team. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, he yeah. gets to be the news guy. Yeah. Uh, He's it's, so not, it's so great. It's so great. I, Getty Watanabe's amazing. Uh, I haven't seen him lately. Has he done anything? I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I haven't seen anything in a while. Uh, the film has various crew and guest cameos. Jerry Goldsmith is a yogurt customer. Uh, John Astin is a janitor who actually starts the whole thing. Yeah, and uh, he has a Hitler mustache. It's a little weird. It's a little Hitley. It's a little, I wonder a little if that Hitley. was a choice. <laughs> it's a little weird. Uh, Henry Gibson plays an employee fired for smoking. Oh, my God. No lines, no nothing. nothing. He's just on the security camera, and he's brilliant. Yeah. The, the pathos. Yeah. We, it's Henry Gibson... He was on. Uh, he was a, a star in Laughing. Hilarious on that. Oh show. yeah, yeah. A big star in the '60s and '70s. Oh a yeah. A mainstay on the talk shows. Hilarious. And for him to do that teeny little part was just. It just shows. I love guys that have no ego and will just show up and do a little something, something. Uh, one of my favorite parts that Henry Gibson ever played was in the movie Magnolia, which oh, yeah. he was in the Foxfire, which is really close yeah, to Gen X headquarters. He used to hit on me there. No, <laughs> yeah, he was hitting on uh, on Billy Quiz Show. Yeah, yeah, uh, Fuffleman or whatever his name is. No, it's uh... oh my god, I can't think of his name. It's Felicity Huffman's husband. Yeah, <laughs> I always think of the. The their their duo name William H Macy. Yes, yes. William H Macy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Henry Gibson's amazing, and it is really funny that he literally has no lines. <laughs> <laughs> he just smokes. Uh, Rick Rick Dukeman cameos the security guard, and Joe Dante is the director of Grandpa Fred's show. Hey, Rick Dukeman. Hey, how you doing? It's such a spot-on impression. That was really good. <laughs> I loved Rick Dickelman as He's a kid. He's so good. His comedy, his stand-up is great, too. I loved him He's just one of those so much. forgotten 80s, 90s guys. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to know what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, Dick Buckkiss and Bubba Smith cameos themselves getting attacked at the salad bar. Blink and you miss it. I literally did not see Bubba Smith did this it? time. I literally saw Dick Buckkiss, Dick Buckkiss going backwards. Same. I didn't realize that Bubba Smith was even in the shot. No, I just barely registered that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the cast of the PBS children's show Square One TV appears themselves filming an episode in the lobby of the Clamp Building. Dean Norris and Raymond Cruz, who both yeah. would later gain prominence on the acclaimed television series Breaking Bad, as well as its spinoff Better, Better Call Saul. Tuco, man. Tuco. Tuco. Just a skinny little... Little, little wisp of a man, little boy. Man, I know, little wisp of a boy. <laughs> Very funny and like a great part. He was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dean Norris had one line, I think. Dean uh, Norris didn't stand out as much. No, in fact, I didn't even realize it was him until you pointed it out. Well, I was I, looking for him. Yeah, I, but but Tuco, man. Well, Dean Norris, for until I think Breaking Bad, basically played cops, yeah. army guys. Well, technically in Breaking Bad, he played a cop. Too. Right, right. But I mean, like. <laughs> Like can't you know like like yeah. bit parts like Just, day yeah, player yeah, parts you yeah. know he would be, be like uh, you know one of the guys shooting at the A team right, or you right. know the guy that comes in and and good shoot downtown at, yeah. shoots at the A team <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> he's the guy that the car rolls seventy five times and he gets off and brushes himself <laughs> off You're like ah, I think I broke a nail. The film includes animated segments written and directed by Chuck Jones and featuring the Looney Tunes characters Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and Porky Pig. Very funny. Although, this was a time, I had the hardest, hardest time transitioning from Mel Blanc. Yeah. You know, even yeah. though the, the, like, 70, the older Mel Blancs weren't the younger Mel Blancs. No, no, and, no. And before he died, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. It was still better than anybody else. But Yeah. But, yeah, it was really, it's like the same thing with uh, Kermit the Frog. Like, yeah. you know, my favorites, they're, you, 
the, the guys doing Kermit are good today, but they'll never be Jim Henson. No, and same, the guys doing and Looney Tunes are good, but they'll never be Mel. Blanc. No, no, it's not the same. Testimony I mean, to that is like takes like ten guys to do the one game. Right, you know, right. Like, right. One the, guy used to yeah. do. Jones had retired from animation before returning to work on Gremlins 2. Dante explained the animation at the beginning of the film was meant to... Yes. Set the anarchic tone. Yeah, which it is. That movie is anarchy defined. Oh, it is. And it it sets up the fact that it is a live-action Looney Tunes. Yes. I mean, Chuck yes. Jones should have got, I don't know, 20% of the <laughs> yeah, gross for this probably. movie for being the inspiration. Yeah. So many Looney Tunes gags that they just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cody's homage. Yeah, right, uh, right. But just that stuff's not easy to do, man. No, no. Slapstick, well, yeah, especially live action. That's crazy. And with puppets and stuff. I mean, yeah. that stuff is not easy to pull off and be funny. There's a reason why you don't see a ton of slapstick comedy anymore, right? Because it's it's a very specified type of funny, and if you don't do it well, it's just kind of sad. Yeah, it's true. That's true. The first scene initiates the film and features the classic Looney Tunes opening card, causing people to assume it is the short cartoon that it usually plays before a movie begins. Yeah, but they, we weren't getting cartoons in the 90s, in the 80s. Yeah, it's a throwback. You know, Maybe Grandpa was like, oh, <laughs> I feel like I'm back in 1936. <laughs> However, when Bugs appears through the rings on top of the Wonder Brothers shield, Daffy interrupts the, in- the intro and steals the shield from Bugs. Daffy attempts to recreate the opening with himself in Bugs' place, but the shield overshoots, causing the entire title card to fall apart. Daffy surrenders the stardom, claiming that since he will not star in the cartoon, the man as well just sips, skip straight to the movie. Yeah, he's, he's not wrong. Bugs is willing to do so and spins Daffy off screen like a spinning top for the movie title to appear. The DVD and Blu-ray include a longer version of the cartoon short. In it, Daffy is informed by Bugs that he has been promoted to executive and is subsequently put in charge of writing the title of the movie. Yeah, you're putting in charge of writing the movie. <laughs> when Daffy mistakenly writes the title Gremlin, Gremlins 2 as Gremlins Stew, Gremlins Stew! <laughs> Bugs corrects the error. Yeah, it's wrong, Dak. Daffy then attempts to rename the film The Return of Super Daffy Meets Gremlins 2 Part 6, the movie. Nice! But Bugs rejects this for being too long, changing it back to Gremlins 2, rendered in the font of the official logo. Yeah, and it just it looked like a cartoon logo when, yeah. in the version we saw. Yeah. Daffy then quits his new job, and Bugs can, decides to add in the subtitle, saying it looks... Yeah, a little skimpy. The, this material was removed from the film because early audiences expected a live-action film and were bewildered by the lengthy animated sequence. I think we Hey, Mary! I thought you said we were coming to see People's film. This is... This isn't People's. This is Drawings. Why did you see the Drawings film? Oh, God. Okay. What? Yeah. Well, maybe I cut it down. Uh, I don't know. I think Mary needs a divorce. Yeah. Yes. Throughout the film's closing credits, Daffy pops into frame sporadically and spouts off sarcastic comments. Yeah, like three times. The last scene appears after the credits and again features the Looney Tunes rings. This time Porky comes out of the rings and tries to say his usual... That's all, folks. However, Daffy interrupts again and takes over. After Daffy says the slogan, the back of the Warner Brothers shield with the words... Title animation written and directed by Chuck Jones. Smashes him... He peeks his head out to the left side and says, Fade out! And the segment ends. Suffering yeah. uh, For special effects, the original film relied on Chris Wallace, the, who moved on to pursue a directing career. And good for him. Yeah. Dante turned to Academy Award winning, winning winner. Dante turned <laughs> it to, was an Academy yeah. Award winning winner. Dante turned to Academy Award winner Rick Baker to create the, spe- the effects for Gremlins 2, the new batch. 
Baker was not interested, as he saw Gremlins 2 as too much work for a project in which he would not be the creator, but rather a successor to Wallace. I don't think so. It's too much work. He was eventually persuaded to accept the job when it was suggested he could make the Gremlins and Mogwai more diverse. If I could make them more diverse, I guess so. I mean, I, I, I get it, but yeah. As with the first, puppetry was involved and some of the puppets were mechanical. An actor holding a puppet would have to have wires strapped to him. Gremlins 2 also includes more stop-motion animation than the first film. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of walking and running and, yeah. and spiders and things and salad heads and yeah, all sorts weirdness. of stuff. The Bat Gremlin was portrayed through some stop-motion animation. Uh, film technology since the original had improved, and as a result, the creatures can be seen walking more. Oh, yeah. And Gizmo dances! Yeah, he does. I just want to point out, Rick Baker is a genius and one of the absolute best in the business in terms oh, yeah. of special yeah. effects. I didn't want to diminish him with my oh, no, Rick jips and jibes. Brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. Uh, because there are more Gremlins in Gremlins 2 than the original, additional filming lasted five months. Oh, must have been grueling. Many of the effects had to be completed after the actors had finished their work. Uh, it would have been so awful to be a PA on this. Yeah. Hey, yeah. New Bauer. Yeah. Get your mop. You got some. You're on goop duty. Goop duty. Oh man. <laughs> get on goop duty. You just call me the goopist. Hey. <laughs> Uh, for the Gremlins' voices, Howie Mandel returned as the voice of Gizmo. Briefly, briefly. While Tony Randall provided the voice of the brain gremlin. Well, let's just talk about this for five seconds. He's so good in this. Yeah, the ramifications of this. You're doing the Mid-Atlantic accent. Yeah. I am positive. Watching this, I am positive that uh, Stephen Colbert ripped off his entire persona from oh, Brain yeah. Gremlin. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> Frank Welker provided the voice for Mohawk. Mark Dodson provided voices for George Lenny and Daffy. Joe Dante provided voices for the Beanie Gremlin and the Witch Gremlin. <laughs> Nancy McConnor provided the voice for the Bat Gremlin, while Kirk Thatcher provided voices for most of the Gremlins alongside Frank Welker. Nice. As with the first film, the music in Gremlins 2, The New Batch, was composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith, who has a cameo in the film alongside his wife. Nice. Yeah, they're, they're getting yogurt. Yeah. And then the <laughs> Gremlins come out of the toppings. Yeah, that's true. And it's gross. They think it's a rat. <laughs> well, yeah. your eye sees what it recognizes, Adam. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The song I'm Ready by Fats Domino was put into the film after singer Billy Idol denied the filmmakers the right to use the song Dancing With Myself. It's too much of a serious song to put in your little movie. So stupid. So Joe Dante had to find a song that fit the beat that Gizmo was dancing to. That's so funny. Do you think that Billy Idol regretted it and that's why he eventually got into that Adam Sandler movie and the... um, Wedding Singer? Yeah. Yeah, where he's literally a cameo in the movie playing his own of song. Course. Well, look, he was probably a little self-important back then, yeah. you know? Oh, and yeah. They, honestly, they probably didn't offer him the amount of money that he or his probably. representatives wanted. Yeah, that's probably the, the, the truth. In the latter half of the film, Gizmo, inspired by the Rambo films and tired of the abuse he has suffered at the hands of the Gremlins, takes revenge on Mohawk. Gizmo shoots the Mohawk spider gremlin with a makeshift bow and flaming arrow. For the scene in which Gizmo prepares for this move, Goldsmith, who had also authored the music in the Rambo films, employed a variant of Gizmo's theme in the style of the Rambo theme. The scene featuring Mohawk transforming into a spider-like monster features a portion of the song Angel of Death by thrash metal band Slayer. Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, and shout out to my niece, Micaiah, who just got into Slayer. Good. Uh, Good for very her. happy for her. Yeah, there's a... Uh... That movie is really... 
kind of loud and goopy. There's just so much going on in that movie. <laughs> so much going on. It does not stop. It no, starts, it is it relentless, but yeah. not in a bad way. No, no. In another scene, the brain gremlin leads hundreds of gremlins to sing New York, New York. Uh, Dante claimed that... The musical number is a shameless steal. From the film Dames in 1934. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what everybody Immediately, thought. I we was were all like, like, that wasn't Dames. Dames. Ugh. What a ripoff. Yeah, <laughs> we all love Dames. Uh, but it is the greatest reveal. And as Jim pointed out when we were watching, they got those cards done of the female gremlin so quickly. Yeah. Well, maybe one of the new technologies was like a laser printer or something they that they didn't know about. So great. Uh, film critics varied in the reviews of Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Roger Ebert, who had approved of the first film, observed that Gremlins 2 was meant to satirize sequels. Mm-mm. Nevertheless, he felt it did not manage to dif- differentiate itself from the original enough and was not as good. It's a series of gangs. He went on to claim that the film lacks a well-constructed plot, and once the gremlins arrive, the film simply becomes a... Series of gangs. He thus gave the film two and a half stars out of a possible four. Yeah, I gave it an extra half. He still liked it more than he didn't. Because I liked the popcorn. It was very buttery. I think he enjoyed watching Leonard Malton get murdered. Yeah. He was my nemesis. <laughs> the movie would make $41.5 million in North America from a 30 to $50 million budget. Not bad. Yeah. I mean, not good, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's not, yeah. I mean, that doesn't include any of the worldwide. I don't know what the total worldwide box office It made a profit. It, it did I, fine. It did. And then it did really well on video, home video. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It would be the 31st highest grossing film of 1990, behind Back to the Future Part Three, which made almost $88 million. Edward Scissorhands, which made $56 million, and Arachnophobia, which made $53 million. I love Arachnophobia. It did, however, outperform Predator 2, which made just over $30 million, Child's Play 2, which made just over $28 million, and The Exorcist 3, which made just over $26. Wow, it beat all the Seeks. did. It was the winner of the sequel. It was the sequel winner, yes. The Spanish company Toposoft developed a side-scrolling Gremlins 2 The New Batch video game for Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, DOS, MSX, Amstrad CPC, and the ZX Spectrum. I wish I knew what all these were. (laughs) Disturbed by Irby Software in Spain and by Elite Abroad being the first time a Spanish video game company got an exclusive license from a Hollywood movie to make a video game. Nice. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. High Tech Expressions also released a DOS game at around the same time, but it was poorly received. It was awful. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Sunsoft released versions for the Nintendo Entertainment System and Game Boy in 1990. Uh, I remember playing this. I do remember the Game Boy version, I think. I, the Nintendo one, I really just mostly remember the opening screen. <laughs> but, yeah. But I don't remember the gameplay and stuff. It was a, I, yeah. it was a uh, platformer, wasn't it? Yeah, like a side-scroller thing. I think you were Gizmo, and it was it was like a takeoff of him being Rambo. Probably. Yeah. In January 2013, Vulture reported that Warner Brothers was negotiating with Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment to reboot the Gremlins franchise. Okay, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with this either being reboot. I would prefer a sequel. Yeah. But this this has different stories to tell. Yeah, exactly. It's about Gizmo, and Gizmo can go anywhere, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Seth Graham Smith was tapped to produce alongside David Katzenberg. In November 2015, Zach Galligan confirmed that the third film will be a sequel and not a reboot. Awesome. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do believe that they're, 
there's more stories to tell. It doesn't have to be all Billy. It doesn't have to be all of them. You know, I mean, it's... Look, I would love more than anything to see Billy and Phoebe Cates come back. I would love more than anything to yeah. see Phoebe Cates in, in anything. Something. Yes. I, I mean, <laughs> we've been deprived of her for decades. 25 years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I understand she did her time, but it's like watching her again uh, in this film, she's just so good. She's so charming. So good, yes. And I really miss her. I agree. I agree. In a December 2016 interview with Bleeding Cool, Galligan said that Columbus had been aggressively working on a Gremlins 3, which had writer Carl Ellsworth on board. A 2017 interview with Chris Columbus discussed his Twisted and Dark script, which explored the idea that has been on the fans' minds for a long time. If all Gremlins come from getting Gizmo wet and feeding his Mogwai offscreen after midnight, should Gizmo be eliminated? Uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, actually he should. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, it's sad. <laughs> I, made, I made that comment when she brings, when Phoebe Cates brings home the wrong uh, Mogwai. Yeah. Uh, how I just wanted Billy to grab it and just break it in half. Snap its little neck. <laughs> All right. Because he knows. Solved. I mean, he knows that they're going to, you know. Yeah. Well, look, and let's be honest. A dark and twisted for Chris Columbus is you only cry. Yeah. You only tries to force you to cry three times in the movie instead of 18. <laughs> in November 2020, Columbus stated that CGI would not be used for the Gremlins and that traditional puppets and animatronics would continue to be used. Awesome. I'm just teasing Chris Columbus. I, well, I know. And I'm also not wrong. Look, I <laughs> I have a very strong love-hate relationship with Chris Columbus. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really love some of his work, and I really hate some of his work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but that's a good filmmaker that that, yeah. that you know... Elicits strong reactions from you. Yeah. You know, good or bad. If it's all bad. Total opposite spectrum of that is how much I feel about Guillermo del Toro, which is literally nothing. Oh, yeah. His movies make me feel nothing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Guillermo del Toro makes you feel dead inside. Yeah. I just, I don't care either way. Damn you, Guillermo. Yeah. There is a Gremlins animated TV series coming to HBO Max, but things are up in the air, obviously, because of all the craziness oh, at, at Warner Brothers Discovery. Well, because of that J-hole that yeah. took over. Mr. Ooh, let's just get tax breaks and kill art for tax breaks. I, I was reading an article that uh, this morning, actually, that almost all of the Warner Brothers movies that are going to come out this year are going to have almost no marketing money behind them. Of course, because like, this dude is a jerk. Yeah, they just well, and this, I don't. Th- I think it's just the way that he structured it. There's just nothing there. Yeah, because he wants. It's like he wants to kill Warner. What did Warner Brothers do to this I guy? Oh man, Jeepers. <laughs> Warner Brothers touched me in the bad place. <laughs> it must have. Yeah. Ooh. Anybody who's like, oh, Discovery Plus is so much better yeah, than uh, HBO Max. Yeah, well. I mean, come on, it's got UFO shows. <laughs> <laughs> so about the new animated show, according to Joe Dante, but there is a Gremlins three. And it's the animated series prequel, The Secrets of the Mogwai, which I'm associated with and is coming to HBO Max this coming year. It was supposed to be this year, but they had a lot of turmoil over there. Nobody quite knows what's going on. But they've already done one whole season, and they've ordered a second season, which they're working on. Essentially, if the TV show does well, then Gremlins 3 will happen. If we get to see it. If Danny J. Hall doesn't go like, well, let's just... I know. I, I know. need another tax break. Let's do all these 10 episodes and nobody will ever... He's just an, a supervillain. Oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. take your art and lock it away in a vault and nobody will ever see it ever, ever. Yeah. I mean... I don't remember this ever being done. No, no. No, I mean, not not this much of a slave to the numbers. Well, like, it's nothing this big either. Yeah. You know, maybe there were some films that, whatever, that got canned and but nothing this big and and 
I just I'm I, so I, disappointed. I think that's the thing is I think that article is reading the 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 point of it was that all the stuff he's doing is not helping and no. it's not going to help. And I don't and, think he wants to help. And none of the movies are going to make money and you know it's like no this b hole j hole b hole a hole b hole c hole. Wow, okay. Okay. <laughs> um He's not an artist. He doesn't no, care he about doesn't, anything. He, he wants. He's for the shareholders. He's for his bonus. He's for his money. Guy yeah. wants to get in there and make a half a bill, kill the product, and what does he care? He's got no soul. He didn't like movies. All he <laughs> likes to do is wow. sit around and pull the wings off flies. I read his biography, Adam. Okay. He's okay. a fly wing picker. Fly wing picker. Yeah, they wrote a song about it. About Donald J. Beehole. <laughs> Donald J. Beehole fly wing picker. Picking the wings off flies. Donald, Donald J. <laughs> <laughs> Donald J. Hole. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's all I got. So well, um, that's plenty. I I really hope there's more. I I, I forgot too. how much I love this movie. Oh, it is so good. I was in a really not great mood when yeah. we started watching it, and it put me in such a better mood. Well, that's the thing about these movies that a lot of the movies that we pick are just feel good movies. Yeah. And there's not a lot of feel good movies today. There's some really good animated stuff that's feel good. Yeah. yeah. But it just doesn't seem like people make. And it's not like a schmaltzy feel-good movie. It's a no. fun, funny, ridiculous. Fun. It puts you in a good mood because it's like watching a live-action Looney Tunes yeah. cartoon or a Mad Magazine come to life. The the you know the, my two favorite things as a kid. And do yourself a favor. I think both films are on HBO Max. Yeah. Take advantage of HBO Max while we still have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and do a little double feature. Get yeah. yourself some some. Uh, here's what you do. Get yourself a little nostalgia evening. Get some root beer, some A&W root beer, maybe some ice cream for a float later if you're into that. But get some deep dish Pizza Hut pizza, yeah. just like yeah. when we used to go as kids and yeah. sit at the Zaxxon table. <laughs> and uh, well, those were nice restaurants back then. They were. Get yourself some of that. Have a double beach. Just relive the fun time of the early 90s, late 80s. We were all carefree, and we had some good movies to watch. And have yourself a merry little time. Yeah. For us doing the not so terrible twos, this movie definitely holds up. Yeah. To the first movie. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just as good. It's very different. But this is what I love about this and Predator Two. That's coming up this mm-hmm. month. These two movies have the same joy of the first movie, but they're completely different. Yes. Completely yes. different yes. than the other movies. Predator Two takes place in L.A. 1997, the future. <laughs> and this is like futuristic too. But this they. They did something different that made it stand out yeah. and made it really fun. Yeah, yeah. And it was a great, great movie to, to jump off the Not Too Terrible Twos yeah. month. Hope you guys love it. Watch those movies. Next week, oh, baby, it's the oh, big yeah. one. Our yeah. 100th episode. Yeah, we're going to jump our stepdad's uh, show up, up up a little bit. We can normally do it at the end of the month, but we're going to do it early because yeah. it's the 100th episode. Oh, so much to talk about. We're going to yeah. reminisce about a few things that we did uh, and just, uh, man, revel in the fact that we've been around for 100 years, Adam, and you look great. I can't wait to do years old. the 100th episode. It's going to be 100 hours long. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, I don't know who's going to die first, the audience or us. <laughs> we'll see you next week. This is how I feel when you go on and on about your secretions. <laughs> Get ready, because there's a lot of secretions in this oh movie. Oh, God, there's goopy secretions. I'm going to come back talk about secretions. <laughs> oh, that is my favorite movie. <laughs>
We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, The Bionic Woman, already in progress.